if you're a mailman, you have one job. At the end of the day, you may have lots of tasks, but you have one job. What is a mailman or a mailwoman's job? It seems obvious. Deliver the mail. You're a mail. You have one thing. Get the mail from here to here. Apparently, a Brooklyn mailman named Joseph Bricado missed that part of the job training or the memo got lost in the mail or something. Joseph Bricado avoided doing the one thing he was hired to do for like 10 years by intentionally hoarding over 40,000 pieces of mail. All the mail he was supposed to deliver, he kept it. In September 2014, Joseph admitted to hiding a ton of mail. I mean literally a ton. He had over 2,500 pounds of undelivered mail in his apartment in Brooklyn, New York. He had been doing this since 2005. All this mail and more. A postal supervisor, this is how he got busted. A supervisor got suspicious when they saw Joseph pulling out of the post office parking lot. His car was literally loaded floorboards to ceiling with undelivered mail. I may not be smart, and I might not be Sherlock Holmes, but that doesn't look right. So they followed up, and they went to his apartment, and they found, that. and he admitted to this later. It wasn't just like, uh, I think somebody else put it there. He admitted to doing this. He, he had collected first class, priority postage, regular, just whatever it was. He just collected it and kept it in his apartment. It took five agents five hours to carry the mail back out of his apartment that he was supposed to carry to our houses or people up in New York. Actually, I think we've got a picture of Joseph Bricado here. (sighs) Newman. (laughs) You got one job. Deliver the mail. Okay. Church. Connection Church. We have one job. Jesus gave us one mission. Do you know what it is? We have one job. We are here for a reason. I don't want to stand before God on that day, and I don't want you, and I don't want us together as a church to stand before God and have to look at him or bow before him and say, we didn't do the job, we didn't deliver the good news that you entrusted us to deliver to the world, to places like Turkey and Haiti and um, Eurasia and everywhere else that God says, I want the, the good news to go to. I want to be able to stand with a clear conscience and say, we did what you placed us here at this place and this time to do. Are you with me? It's so important for us to be a church that's on mission, to be able to say to God, we did what you wanted us to do. We had one job and we did it. So I want to take you to where Jesus gave us our job. This is in the Gospel of Matthew. Got a Bible? It's okay to go ahead and turn there. It's okay to look at the table of contents to find out where Matthew is. That's totally legal here. If you're newer to the Bible, we just invite you to follow along on the screen. If you've got a smartphone with the Bible app, pull it up. We're going to be in Matthew 28. Matthew is a part of four books or four writings we call the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are biographies of Jesus' life and his teaching. So they're collections. At least two of the guys who wrote Gospels were actually eyewitnesses to Jesus' life. Maybe three of them, the other one, Luke, maybe Mark, certainly talked to eyewitnesses and investigated out their Gospels before they wrote them. So Matthew was an eyewitness. He was there for what we're about to read here. These are the final words of Jesus before he left the planet. He, he died on a Friday. He was buried. He rose from the dead on Sunday. Now we're 40 days after that, the last words of Jesus before he ascended to heaven. Listen to this. So Jesus came to his disciples and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. 
Here it is. That's our mission. I want to go back through that, so keep your Bible open for a second. I want to point out, there's a lot of alls in here. Maybe not in the English translation we've got, but there's a lot of, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, first of all. Like, anything you can picture in the universe, I'm in charge of. I'm the boss. And the boss is saying, I want you to go out and make disciples of all the nations. Everybody needs to become a student of Jesus. And, and there's no one you should leave out. Everyone is eligible to hear the good news. And he says, I want you to go out, make disciples of all the nations, uh, teaching them, baptizing them, and then I want you to teach them all the things that I taught you. He's talking to the original disciples. And, so, and we have that. Everything that Jesus said, I want you to think this way, I want you to do this, we have it. And, and he said, I want you to teach all of that. And then he goes on, he says, and don't sweat it, because I will be with you all the days. So that's our mission. Now here at Connection, we say it a little differently. We just put it in a little shorter sentence. We just say we're here to connect people to God and each other through Jesus. That's our mission, to go into all the world. I want you to go back through that, and Jesus said, I want you to make disciples. It's so simple. That's our one job, make disciples. Now the word disciples is not, disciples is not something we use all the time, so let's get a synonym here. A disciple is simply a student. A disciple is a learner. You've got your mentor and your protege. You've got your master craftsman and your apprentice. You've got, uh, a, a, basically, a disciple is just a learner. So what Jesus is saying is, I want you to go everywhere that there are people, doesn't matter what they, language they speak, doesn't matter what they believe right now, everybody is eligible to become a student of Jesus. Because there are people who will be, at least be interested in hearing about Jesus. What did he teach? How did he say we should live? At some point, some of those people who are learning about Jesus are going to decide to commit their entire lives to him. At, what point, at that point, what do we do then? Jesus said to do what? baptize them. If somebody's been a student of mine, they want to commit their lives to me, Jesus says, baptize them. Now, baptize is a Greek word from the original language that we've trans we haven't even translated in English. We just created an English word out of a Greek word. Literally, it just means put something underwater. So what it should have said is, teach people to be my students. When they commit to me and they say, I'm, I'm all in, dunk them underwater. That's it. And then Jesus says, continue to teach them everything that I taught you. So if you are a Christian and you've gone across the line, you've gone all in, you've been baptized, that the, the learning doesn't stop. You're a disciple your entire life. You continue to learn how to live like Jesus did. And that's why we're here. We're learning to, to obey Jesus. I find this ironic. What was the very last thing that Jesus commanded his disciples to do? I mean, you don't have to guess. It's right here. It's literally the last thing he said before he left the planet. Go make disciples. So follow me here. If Jesus' disciples are people who do everything he commanded to do. Can we be his disciple if we don't obey his very last command that said, go make other disciples who then obey me? Connection, this is why we partner with people like what we talked about last week, the Sparrow's Nest for young moms who are unwed, uh, Mercy Ministries for young women, the Hope Food Pantry, all the other things that we talked about, uh, Christian Family Services, um, Operation Christmas Child, the people we're talking about today. This is an extension of what we do together as a church. We're obeying Jesus' command to go make students of him. So here's what I want you to do. Is we're going to hear from a couple of more of the missions that we support. We're going to hear from Kathleen Sackett, uh, who is in uh, Georgia, not the state, but the country, and that region of the country translating Bibles, translating the, the Bible into their languages. We're going to hear from Salonique, who's in Haiti. I want you to keep your heart open and just ask God, how do you want me to obey your command to make disciples? I praise God for Paul Leonard, for Kathy. 
You notice that Kathy has prayer for everybody? And she she didn't name herself. We need to pray for her too. Because we need Kathy to break the barriers and the walls so that the word of Christ can make end work there. Um, I was glad to know that today I can be here live instead of sending a video. I'm not telling you how in the world I'm here today, but I have to tell you it is God's timing. That's it. Um, since we were with you last May, I will uh, show you some of the things that God has done and uh, some of the things that you have been part of and see what can we do again together. Next, please. This is the same picture I showed you last time. I realized that I look good in it. So why change it? Uh, next, please. One big thing God has done this year, for the first time, we graduated eight students from a Bible college, and they are now preaching Christ all over Haiti. Praise God for that. Next, please. You know, Haiti is a voodoo country. You remember that. But this will not stay this way. As long as we are engaging in youngs. So this was May 16. It was the 12th anniversary of the school. And those young people were praising God through songs. Next, please. You remember we talked about the farm. And in that picture, after using a big tractor to clear the field, we hired those guys who were uh, helping getting the land ready. Next, please. We had church camp this year. We had over 350 kids. Many of them will set their feet for the first time in a church, and their parents were happy to deliver us to uh, them to us every day, and we were happy to receive them because it was our way to share Christ with them. The parents wanted to get rid of them to have a free day. The kids were happy to be there to play and to have a hot meal, and we were happy to offer them our Christ. Next. This last June, we started a kindergarten building. This is what it looked like now. Next. From June to a couple few, few days ago. Yes, give God a hand. You started well. <laughs> it takes lots of people, generous people, loving people. Next. When I was here last May, the church building, the transitional building, looked this way. Now, it is this way. And a few hours before I came here, I went to visit this site where they are building the trusses. Things are looking good. I praise God for that. Next, please. This was the campus last May. This is it now. Next. See the picture again. Isn't that good? 
God is wonderful. Next, please. This is the challenge. This village is where my ancestors, grandparents come from. You probably remember I told you both my grandfather and my grandmother, mom's side, were witch doctors. Will you know that this village still have no church ever and no school ever? And God tells me to go there. When I walked there a uh, couple months ago, this is the place, and this boy, I don't know, even know his name. All the houses are made with mud and sticks and tin roof or thaw for roofing. This can change. Those kids don't have an education. This should change. They don't have Christ. This need to change. God will rely on you and on me. Next, please. The farm started off pretty well. We planted over, oh, several hundred pounds of oak, expecting a big crop. We planted also several hundred pounds of peanut. But after we finished to plant, no rain. And we need a water well to change the situation. And brothers and sisters, same for the village and this project, we call you to help us. Next, please. We need your prayers for our leaders in the ministry. We also need your prayer for the project of the radio station. Every step of progress we make, we still face with other red tapes. Please pray. Uh, the completion of the building, the Christian University, our supporters, pray for the growth of our people. I'm talking about spiritual growth mostly and first because this is important. Moses wanted to be a good son-in-law. Went to take care of the sheep of his father-in-law. While there, the bush is burning. His curiosity kicked in, want to go and see, and he got called. Moses knew he was there for a reason. His reason was to be a good son-in-law. But God had another reason. In chapter 3, verse 10 of Exodus, God told him the reason is to go to Pharaoh and bring his people back to him. You are here for a reason. I am here for a reason. You may have the wrong reason in mind. I may have the wrong reason in mind. But the best reason is God's reason. Let's look for it. God bless you.